John chapter 10 begins with that great section where Jesus describes himself as the good shepherd of his sheep. He has come to gather uh, the sheep whom the Father has given him, and then here in verses 22 through 30, Jesus continues to speak about his shepherding ministry in response to a question that is posed to him by the Jewish people. John chapter 10, verses 22 through 30. And this feast of dedication is referred to at the beginning of verse 22 as a festival that the Jews celebrated through winter. In December, later became known as Hanukkah. This was a time where uh, the Jews would commemorate the restoration of the temple uh, during the second century BC. John chapter 10, verses 22 through 30. Please pay careful attention for this is God's holy inspired word to us. At that time, the Feast of Dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. The Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Let's end here reading of God's word. May he write his word upon our hearts. Well, if you turn in your order of worship to the Confession of Faith element, this morning we are confessing together Lord's Day 21, Lord's Day 21, which consists of question and answers 54 through 56, 54 through 56. Lord's Day 21 question answers 54 through 56. I will read the question if you please respond by reciting the answer. So question 54 asks, what do you believe concerning the Holy Catholic Church? I believe that the Son of God, who is the Spirit and the Word, part of the entire human race, from the beginning of the world to the end, gathered, protects, and preserves for himself a community chosen for eternal Understand by the communion of saints. First, that believers, one and all, as members of Christ the Lord, have communion with Him and share in all His treasures and gifts. Second, that each member should consider it a duty to use these gifts readily and joyfully in the service and enrichment of other members. Question 56. 
seen our way through the Heidelberg Catechism. The Heidelberg Catechism is a reformational document that very faithfully exposits for us the truths of the Christian faith. Truths have been handed down through a generation by generation. So kids, uh, what are the three sections of this catechism? Violet? And which one are we in right now? Grace. Grace, very good. And what's the definition of true faith? time we considered what we mean when we refer to the Holy Spirit, and so there is a sense in which everything else that comes after the, the statement about the Holy Spirit is, is subsumed under the work of the Spirit. The Spirit is the one who, who creates a church and a community. The Spirit is the one who, who applies to us the forgiveness of sins. The Spirit is the one who will one day uh, uh, resurrect our bodies from the dead and grant us entrance into eternal, into, into everlasting life. Question 54 here speaks about how we believe the Holy Catholic Church. This article is one of several articles that can cause conservative Protestants to raise their eyebrows at first hearing. The Holy Catholic Church. Do we really believe the Holy Catholic Church? That forbidden P word. Are we Catholics? Another one of these, these phrases that can trick us many Protestants to
chosen community through the Spirit and the Word. So notice it's the Son of God who is doing the action here. The Son of God is gathering, protecting, preserving this community. So first let's consider how the Son gathers a chosen communion through the Spirit and the Word. The Son gathers a chosen communion. If you fill up your Bibles open, with me at, at verse 27 of, of John 10. Jesus is responding to this question by the Jews about uh, when he is going to, to tell them who he is, whether he is the Christ or not. And Jesus responds by again speaking to his works. And particularly in verse 27 he says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. So he's saying that those who truly are his sheep will recognize his identity, will respond to his word, because the Spirit will take off the blinders from their eyes and change their hearts so that they can receive that word. But notice in particular how Jesus is here saying that the sheep hear his voice. He's saying that he gathers a people through his voice, through his word. Just as our catechism says, the Son of God gathers this community through the Spirit and the Word. Later on, we read in verse 29 that the, the sheep that respond to the voice of Jesus are the sheep that the Father has granted to the Son. The Father granted to the Son a people, a sheep, and those sheep then respond to his voice and his Word. To apply this then more practically, especially in our order of worship, this is why we begin our services with a call to worship. Our call to worship is very theologically significant. It reminds us that the Son of God, through his word, is the one who calls us into this holy assembly. He's the one who initiates this time together. But more than that, he is the one who creates a community on Sundays, but universally. Furthermore, whenever we receive members on Sunday, ordinarily that moment in our service comes right after the preaching of the word, which again is instructive and theologically significant. Why? Well, it tells us that the word is what creates this community. It's not just a community that just exists autonomously. The word that creates and forms a community. And so, too, it shows us when we receive members after the preaching of the word, it, 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 it reminds us that it's this word, this preached word, that forms this new covenant community. The Son of God gathers, gathers this chosen community. Furthermore, just to draw your attention to this phrase that is used in 1 Corinthians 54, that this community is chosen for eternal life, or it's a chosen community. One doctrine that we do not find taught in explicit detail is the doctrine of God's predestination or election. That doctrine is spelled out more fully in our other confessions. However, here, it's alluded to. It's alluded to by this phrase. This is a community chosen for eternal life, or it's a chosen community. Chosen by whom? 
John chapter 10, that it's the Father who has given them, that is to say the sheep, to the Son. The Father is the one who elected these sheep and then gave them to the Son to redeem, to gather through his word and spirit. So here we see the doctrine of election. This community is a chosen community. A community chosen by the Father, redeemed in the Son. So the Son of God gathers, gathers a chosen community through his spirit and through his word. It doesn't stop there, though. We also read that this, the Son protects and preserves a chosen communion through his spirit and word. He gathers this community, but then he continues to protect and preserve this community. Advertising looks at it like like Paul said this before. A community chosen for eternal life. A community chosen for eternal life. There the catechism is, is linking together the beginning and the end of our redemption. Election is that very the, the, the very font of our redemption. Eternal life, especially the entrance of eternal life, that's what we're looking forward to when we will enter into new creation, which Resurrection Paul even points forward to. Therefore, the catechism is saying that those who are chosen will enter into the fullness of their redemptive life. There is a, a, a chain that cannot be broken. You experience one aspect of redemption, you will experience every aspect of redemption. Chosen for eternal life. Boys and girls, you may have played with dominoes before. When you set up dominoes uh, uh, standing up next to one another, and you push that first one down, what happens to all of them? They all come tumbling down, don't they? Well, that's sort of what it's like with, with God's redemption. If you experience one aspect of his saving work, you will experience all of them. If you've been elected, you will be called. If you've been called, you will be justified. If you've been justified, you will be sanctified. If you've been sanctified, you will be glorified and given a new body on the last day. You can't experience some of them without the rest of them. Sometimes even referred to that, that golden chain of salvation. Paul teaches in Romans 8.30 and he just says this very thing, that those who are predestined are those who are, who are called. Those who are called are those who are justified. Those who are justified are those who are glorified. Jesus' words in John 6.39, which I quoted earlier this morning, Jesus says that the will of his Father who sent him is that he should lose nothing of all, that is to say all the people that the Father has given him, but raise them up on the last day. So Jesus' mission given to him by the Father was not just to die for a people, but to make sure that they are raised on the last day. Of God preserves and protects his people. When he gathers a sheep, he will protect that sheep and preserve that sheep until they enter into the fullness of, of the new creation. Catechism goes on to speak about how this community is a community that exists from the beginning to the end of the world. It's universal. This is what we mean by the word Catholic. Catholic means universal. It's a faith that's not specific to a particular language, ethnicity, or geographical region. It exists from the beginning to the end of the world. The Son of God has, is, and will continue to gather, protect, and preserve a people, a chosen community. Not just in this country, but around the globe and 
That's what he's been doing. This is a Catholic faith, a universal faith. Now, there's a distinction between this community. So we, we, we speak about the sin of God gathering, protecting, and preserving this chosen community. And we have to make a distinction between this community as God sees it and the community as we see it. So God looks upon this community as made up of only those who experience the salvation, who are true believers, and those who will never fall away. But as we look at the, the community, we realize it's a mixed community. Sometimes there are those who go out from us and prove that they were never of us, as John says. Those who will one day evidence themselves to not uh, possess true faith. This distinction is also referred to as the visible church and the invisible church. The invisible church is a church known according to the mind of God. The visible church is a church that gathers visibly on Sundays that we can see and that's a mixed community. So there's this, this, this distinction between the church as God sees and the church as we see it. The Son of God gathers, protects, and preserves a chosen community through his word and spirit. Now the word and spirit is so important. The means by which the Son of God not only gathers this people, but protects and preserves this people are through the word and the spirit. The means of grace. shows us that the church, the visible church, the institutional church, is really important. There's a phrase that was used by the church fathers circularly in the early church and continues on even in, in the time of the Reformation that said one cannot have God as their father if they don't have the church as their mother. And the phrase was found, I think, in Protestant period Roman Catholic, was actually picked up and confessed in the Reformation. What we mean by this phrase as Protestants is not that the church is infallible, implicit faith in, in the church to be our, uh, our mediator before God, but rather it shows us that the church is the means that the place in which we experience and receive the means of grace. The true preaching of the word can't occur outside the context of a local church. The proper administration of sacraments can't occur outside the context of a local church. That's what we see in the New Testament. Preaching occurs within a gathered community where there's officers. The sacraments are administered by overseers, elders. And therefore, we see the church is important because this is the place where we receive the means of grace. This especially was true for New Testament Christians, Christians who did have personal copies of the Bible. The only way in which the early Christians came into contact with the Word of God was when they gathered each Sunday on the Lord's Day. Therefore, you can see how important the visible church was, because apart from it, they would not have had contact with the scriptures. They would not have received the sacraments. Therefore, this phrase of, of, of the Son of God doing all these actions, gathering, protecting, preserving through his spirit and word is so important. And the primary way in which we partake of that word is in context of this church. The preaching of the word, the visible word that's given to us in the sacrament. 
question answer 54 teaches us that God, God protects, uh, gathers, protects, preserves his chosen communion. And then question answer 55 goes on and explicates the nature of this community. The nature of this communion. Okay, there's this community that the Son of God has affected and continues to preserve. Well, what, what, what's the nature of this communion? So in question answer 55, we see uh, two main elements. We see that there's a communion we have with Christ the actual Christ, the historical Christ in heaven, and that union creates, a, a, that, that communion, that vertical communion, creates a communion horizontally with one another. Therefore, question answer 55, we confess that, that we are members of Christ and have communion with him. And the Holy Spirit is the one who affects this, this union. Through the Spirit, we are united Catechism goes on to say that we share in all of Christ's treasures and gifts. We share in all of Christ's treasures and gifts. This tells us that Christ has given us gifts. Gifts of the Holy Spirit. The gift of salvation. But he's also given us many ordinary gifts. Ordinary gifts to bless our neighbor. And so, in relation to those ordinary gifts, Christ has given each one of you gifts, not for yourself, but for someone else. Someone else needs those gifts. We need to be blessed by those gifts. And our communion with one another, then, is based upon this communion that we have vertically with Christ. This is celebrated at the table of the Lord, the Lord's Supper. And when we come together at the Lord's Supper, we are celebrating our union with one another. This union, as I said before, is not based on a common beyond this present age is based on a union that is otherworldly, a common citizenship in the new creation. And so because we have communion with Christ vertically, we then have a duty to one another horizontally. So we all have a duty to use these gifts to enrich other members. Catechism says that we are to specifically use these gifts to bless, serve members. Right? We use them to serve members. Members. And here the catechism is just echoing Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 12, 27, when we read, Now, Paul speaking to the church, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. So Paul is saying explicitly that for those who profess faith in Christ, you are members of the body of Christ. that we know, people that we gather with each week in a local church. 
Think about the other duties that you have in your life. The main duties that you have in your life. You may you may be married. You may be a husband or a wife. That comes with real duties. You may be a parent. That also comes with real legitimate duties. You may have a job, a vocation that is a duty. And these duties, yes, have a very relational sense to them, especially in the home. But they also have Son of God, gather, protect, preserve this chosen community. And within this community, we have a duty. 
duty, an obligation to serve and love one another. And the first answer 56 speaks about the identity of this community. We are a forgiven community or a forgiven community. So real uh, briefly, notice in question answer 56 that we confess that God, because of Christ, no, no longer remembers our sin. Why? Because he drank the cup of God's wrath, which we considered this morning. As far as the east is from the west, so far as the Lord removed our transgressions from us. That chasm has been removed so that we can have a relationship with God once again, but that's only half of this redemption. God also has imputed to us the perfect righteousness of Christ that we may nevermore come under condemnation. Again, it's not just as if we've never sinned, but as if we've always been sinning. Our sins are removed as soon as we are cleansed in Jesus' holy work and Mary's righteousness. I love how the catechism says, even though we continue to struggle against our temptations. This gospel promise that our sins are forgiven and that we've been declared righteous doesn't lead to perfectionism. It doesn't mean that we will somehow cease to sin in this life. We will continue to struggle against sin, and therefore this, this article is of the utmost importance in that fight. What motivates us to fight sin is this declaration that we are forgiven, this declaration that we are righteous even when we don't feel righteous, even when we don't notice that we begin with an invocation after that call to worship. We call upon God uh, for his help, and even more specifically to look upon us as Christ. And God then responds with his blessing, a salutation from one of the epistles. Theologically, what this is doing is God is calling us to worship, and we're invoking God, saying, look upon us in Christ. Look upon us as a forgiven community. And God responds and says, yes, you are forgiven. That's how we do it. 